With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Twenty fifth, twenty eighteen, July two five, two zero one eight. I'm going to have a little quick intro. I want to tell you about ten years ago, the Gen Y craze started. You might know them now as millennials. Back then, they were Gen Y, and supposedly these young people were very, very unique. Allegedly, they knew all about computers, right? And they uh, only wanted to take jobs that they enjoyed. Uh, they didn't care about money. Intrinsic value was everything for them. They, they wouldn't sell their souls to their employers and work long hours and neglect their children and end up in 12-step groups. No, no, that was for their parents, right? Not them. But i got to tell you something. None of that was true. It was all lies. Let me ask you something. Who are the people who are dying today from the opiate epidemic? Is it the baby boomers? No! You know what the baby boomers are doing? The baby boomers are taking care of their kids. The kids of these drug addicts, right? That's what you call a helicopter parent today, okay? Anyway, here's the thing. Here's my point. Now that the Gen Y craze has died down, the Gen Z fad is just about to get going, right? And what's so special about them? Well, one article says that they're the lonely generation because they don't have any face-to-face friends. They're on their phones too much. Another article says that they're better than the millennials at multitasking. (laughs) This one's unbelievable because the millennials, they used to brag that they were the best at multitasking, but then the psychologists started writing articles that said that multitasking makes you dumb. It's no good for you, and you can't really do it anyway. It's just a distraction. Anyway, anyway, you know, I know you guys know, if you've been around for a while, all this generational stuff, it's just fluff. All the greatest generation, that's baloney too, right? But some people are so smart that they know how to con companies into paying them money to consult about Gen Y or Gen Z or whatever. I have to admit, though, we're not that smart on Jerry, Jerry, The Recruiting Animal Digging into it and <laughs> smiling at everybody? Come on, dude. 
Martin Snyder, the boss of PC Recruiter, the Swiss Army knife of recruiting recruiting software, (laughs) Nin Tran, the COO at Hire Tool, the Super Duper Sourcing Tool, and Nick Livingston, the CEO of Honeit, H-O-N-E-I-T, the online interview technology. And the guest today is a guy named Steve, and I'm not saying his last name because I don't know how. Steve, how do you say your name? Uh, let's. The American way is Lois. The Polish way is Wubbish. Lovish. I lo- I loveish. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Lovish. Okay. Like 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 the comedian from SNL. Is that his name too? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. I'll spell your uh, Twitter address. It's S L O W I S Z Z in the United States. Okay. Here's what you say about yourself. I am a widely renowned and trusted recruiting expert. I am a highly rated speaker. My unique and sometimes unconventional delivery style is engaging, challenging, and thought-provoking. As a highly rated speaker, I am often requested by leading, uh, re- leading recruiting conferences to share my insights. Uh, I'll tell you something here. Well, go ahead. I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you, hold on, Jerry, wait a sec, this guy's got 50 cars, some of them are Maseratis and Lamborghinis, his favorite car is a Lincoln, he's no doing okay, way. okay? In, in, fairness, business. in fairness, I don't still have all of those cars, I'm down, I've sold most of them and down to a very small bunch of three or four. Mm. Any any Lamborghinis or Maseratis in there? No, I just sold the Lamborghini not long ago, but I have a Bentley Bentayga. Okay, but still, everybody, the guy's uh, successful. Okay, so this guy comes from money, then. I mean, let's be real. No, nope. Let's be real. Zero. Trust My dad was a blue-collar guy. That's what we're calling My dad was a blue-collar guy. For, no trust funds. First, hey, first his, generation immigrant, my friend. His Sweet. parents are immigrants from Poland, okay? He just told uh, us hey, that. Give him a break. Note, call me later. <laughs> I run in on it. Okay, call me. Okay. You're okay. Okay. Do Look, Two seven two three. You got that? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Look, Steve. Here's a here's an here's a question, and, and this is yeah. a real name. If you had a candidate with the name Ulu Gagugu, and somebody on my group said that was a real candidate, Ulu Gagugu, would you advise him to shorten his name to Ulu or something like that? Ulu Gagugu. You know what? I wouldn't. <laughs> You need to start flagging this stuff, trigger uh, stuff. That, 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 that's, that's pure, unadulted wrong. Dude, I, I can't even be a part of conversations like this anymore, dude. Hold on Seriously. This is, this is a candidate's real name. I would yeah. not let him oh vote. Oh, my goodness. Somebody <laughs> really has a name unlike your white bread name? Oh, my. <laughs> what to do? Now, what minute. to do? It's, if Come you on, are, man, if I you can't, are, it, seriously, this is not this is not cool anymore. It's not funny. Okay, let the Steve talk. Let Steve essay. Go ahead, Steve. If, if so, first of all, no, I wouldn't. So I'm going to answer it. But second of all, if we went to South Africa or wherever and we used our names, it would look very different to them as well. Who cares about well, maybe you how long your the name, name is? Uh, in fact, I'm going to tell you, you should change the spelling of your name. If you come on a show and the host can't even spell it, something's wrong. Or say it, something's wrong. Okay, what about it just this? Means name? You need to learn it. Okay, what about this name? If you've got a candidate and his name is Harshit, that's a real name, okay? <laughs> Harshit, okay? It, maybe you should change your name. Maybe you should pick an English name just for work. Use Harshit at home, okay? Is there something wrong with that? Can you get in trouble for doing that, Steve? I, I would not ask them to change their name, period. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. Let's move on. Okay. You, Come on. Here, Steve, Come on. Here, hold on. Wait. I watch these. Steve's got a good show. If someone wants to see your show, uh, it's on uh, Vimeo, right? It is. Okay. Or or they can the, either go to your LinkedIn profile and you can connect from there. But is there? Do you have a URL where they can find your shows? Because they're good. They're worth. Yeah. Watching. If you just go, if you just go to stevelois.com, 
Uh, you can click can right you to the show Steve there. Lewis, all your of them. URL. No one can spell Steve Lois, okay? <laughs> okay. It's a marketing challenge, okay? Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, look, you've got the cars. I don't, okay? I've never owned the Maserati, and I never will. I won't even come close. Okay, but look, you told a story. Well, not really that uh, much. I mean, okay. you could if you wanted to. That's all I'm saying. Okay. You told a story about uh, a recruiter who was trying to bid, build rapport with a candidate, so he asked her when her baby was due, and she wasn't pregnant. Okay? How, how would you advise him to, get, to salvage that situation? Because I, I came up with something. I want to know what you would do. Run. I mean, so, so look, if you, if you got the gall to, to ask something that stupid of anybody these days, you just need to hide your head. You've got to put your head down and just leave. You're not going to no. salvage that situation no. in most cases. No, you just here's what you do. You laugh it off. You say, "Oh, sometimes I try too hard to be to, I try too hard to be friendly and uh, I end up putting my foot in my mouth." Sorry about that. And then you just move on like nothing happened. Okay? That's the <laughs> way it is. Criticizing someone's name, culture, background, race, history is being funny. I didn't do anything like that, Jerry. Okay? And this is a real story that I learned from Steve, it okay? Is. Some recruiter yeah, did it, okay? Okay. So, Here, so I'll tell you, you in the in the in, in the twenty years, twenty five years I've been doing this, I've actually had that happen five times. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, I'm not making it up, Chair. I'm not making it up. Okay. I got it from the guest. <laughs> okay. I'm with you, okay. Dan. So yeah. you know what? Everybody's going to say something dumb. Sometimes you have to know how to handle it. You just should laugh it off. Move on. That's the Dude, only you way. you can't laugh stuff off now. You're going to get sued and lose your job and destroyed publicly across the entire planet. That's how it is now. That's my point. One, one mistake, your party's over, bub. Uh-huh. Okay. You okay. may not live in the States, do you, animal? So, uh, uh, years ago, it wasn't such a big deal. Today, it's a big uh, deal. Huge deal. Okay, here's, here's a question. I read it on my Facebook group today. How would you handle this yeah. search? This recruiter says, I'm looking for a warehouse manager who can speak Mandarin with minimum five years' experience in a certain salary range. I've searched LinkedIn, and I've not been successful. Mm-hmm. What would you so, do? So okay, I, like that, sir. I, got, I got two questions. One, five years of experience, what does that mean? What do they need to know how to do so I know what I'm looking for? Two, I'm going to do some direct sourcing to see what other organizations have somebody that potentially is bilingual. Okay. I'm not going to use LinkedIn because so- it's not going to be listed. You mean phone sourcing? You're going to call into the company? Yeah. For that role, yeah. And how do you how do you want to tell us how you do that? Like, uh, what's your style? Do you ruse calls? Yeah. Or- so. <laughs> no, we don't. We, I mean, legally, you got to be careful about the rusing, like you used to be able to do years ago, right? Uh-huh. But it's not that hard to just not say much. So if I can identify, or I would identify. Other warehouses, because they're probably not going to relocate for that level of job, right? Other warehouses that ideally either ship or import something from Asia, so ideally they have that Mandarin language. And it's pretty easy to call in and say, hey, I need to talk to the warehouse manager, the warehouse supervisor. Why do you need to talk to them? It's regarding a shipment. That's it. Done. Give me the name. I'll call back later. Okay, and, and how will you uh, establish whether the – first of all, how do you know – I won't carry this on too long, but how do you know the company's you know, handling shipments from Asia, and, and how do you ask the person if they speak Mandarin? Bill of ladings are public information, so you can see if the bill of lading, anything they've got coming in or going out, especially if it's going out internationally, because it's public, you can see where it's going. So it's pretty easy to find what out. What do you mean it's public? I'm always, I, what do you mean it's it's public information, so I can look up the manifest or the bill of lading for almost any large shipment coming in and out of the United States. And what yep. site do you go to? Where do you find that? Go, it's one of the .gov sites. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. Hold on. Oh, no, no, it's okay. Okay, now, okay, fine. Yep. I, that, that's a good yeah. answer. He gave, Jerry, you gave a good yeah. answer. Anybody else? There's lots of people here. Anybody want to comment on that? I thought it was pretty good. Anybody? Good answer. Okay. I mean, Okay. Now, only because now, I've been through it with, with one of our manufacturing facilities here on the west side of uh, Michigan, which was in a very similar situation. Tell us west side of Michigan, where are you? I'm in uh, Detroit, outside of Detroit. Detroit, all right, cool. I'm in Indiana, by the way. No, the heart of it all. That, yeah, tell us that story, Steve. You want to tell us about your own experience like that? Yeah, so it, was, it wasn't a um, 
warehouse manager, it would have basically been one step above that. So think about it as the head of distribution for an organization, manufacturing. It's in Grand Rapids or just outside of Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and it was the same kind of thing where it was, okay, we need somebody that's – most of their products are made overseas. It's a consumer electronics company, um, large appliances, let's say. I'm not going to go any further than that. And we absolutely need somebody who has the bilingual capability in this type of role. Now, we had the flexibility of going anywhere in the United States, so it was pretty easy. That's how we came across the .gov site that allowed us to look at bill of ladings where they were coming into the states where they were coming from. It doesn't itemize the list of everything coming in, but based on that, we could at least figure out which organizations would potentially have somebody dealing with the China. It was, it was being primarily made in China and, and some in Taiwan. So at least we could narrow down where are we going. Then, of course, we looked on LinkedIn and other tools to see and had to do some direct calling as well in order to identify folks. But we didn't know at that point if they spoke Mandarin. You know, once we actually engage with the candidate, then we had to, to determine: do they have, do they speak Mandarin or not? Did now, you just it, was, ask it was one candidate. Do you speak Mandarin? Yeah. Once we Mandarin? once we engage the conversation, it was not an immediate: okay. hey, do you speak Mandarin? Because if you don't, I'm going to dump you. That's not right. Uh -huh. We all know that. Let's okay. engage a little bit in the conversation, uh -huh. and let's figure it out. Okay. Okay. Now you've got uh, you spend a lot of time on your show, a few different episodes actually, talking about the challenge of places like California and New York City, where you're not allowed by law to ask the candidate his or her salary. So you came up. And I I got a feeling you're going to deny this. Okay. You came up with a trick to find out what the person's earning. Give them a low-ball offer, and they'll say, hey, I'm earning that already. That's going to provoke an answer. They're going to tell you. Okay, is that what you were suggesting? So that was one of the ways that it can be done, yes. Oh, really? You were uh, serious? You, uh, you were serious? Oh, yeah, I was serious. Oh, yeah. Okay, and go I, ahead. And go I ahead learned this. So, so I actually learned this from somebody else. And I'm not necessarily saying it's the best way to do it because I'll give you another way. But it was a situation where because they, are not, they do not know where these individuals are at, they have made it a policy to be at the lowest end of their comp range. And what's been happening is as, as they give those offers out, as long as they don't insult the person, that person's coming back and saying, hey, I'm, I'm $20,000 higher than that already. And that's how they're dealing with it. Okay, well, you know what, though? This offer, you're already so far into the process, that doesn't make sense. It has to be at the beginning. You have to find out right from the start somehow, right? Yeah, so, you know, of course it's the, you know, what are your expectations, and their, their counter to that is going to be, well, what's the range and so forth. So they're doing the same thing with ranges, and they're keeping it to the lowest end of the ranges. So they're using the same uh -huh. principle. Okay. Now, does it work so, every yeah, time? So Probably not. Okay, so if, if, if a range is like uh, 80 to 110, can you actually tell a candidate it's up to 110 because then if they get offered 95, you know, they're, they're going to go crazy or what? What's the story there? Yeah, so this, this is a problem, and, and I've, I've been talking about this particular thing for years. So I used to teach don't, don't ever tell them a range, never, because when you say 80 to 110, what's the last thing they remember? 110. You come in lower, even though it's more than what they, that, that they're making right now, even though you don't know it, they're pissed off, often. No, so what, just manage it better. Yeah, yeah agreed. So just manage what better. I see happening. In California, you're required to give. Ow, ow, let him finish. Training. Let him finish, and I'll bring you in in a sec. Go ahead, finish, Steve. I got Alan Fleur waiting to take you apart, okay? Go ahead. Yeah, no, that's good. That's that's perfect. So what they what they're doing is is instead of saying eighty to one hundred and ten thousand, they're saying eighty to one hundred thousand, leaving themselves some wiggle room right off the bat. Again, okay, does it work in if, every instance? What the, no. What you know, what if the person is is you know really needs one hundred and five, and you offer him a hundred, and he, he's turned pissed off at that point? And uh, what do you come back and say? Well, maybe I can do a little better. Is that is that it, what happens? We all negotiate. Okay, Alan I mean, Floor. Come on. Alan Floor. Okay, we're going to Alan now. Alan Floor. What did you want to say? No, it's just real simple. Just, I mean, he's talking. I mean, he makes a good point. Just, you, you got to just manage him up front. Don't, you know, you want to tell him the range. That's fine. In California now, you have to. And the, the only other thing is just manage their expectations. I mean, that's pretty simple. It's, Are we look, still uh, the, recruiting people based exclusively on salary? No, I don't even want to <laughs> no, ask the question. I mean, that seems to be animals' approach. <laughs> 
Yeah, I know. I'm How just in the look, world I'm... could you offer somebody less than a $20,000 raise and expect to get something to happen? Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, and if you do, and if they're willing to jump at it, Jerry, I start to worry. Hey, hey, i got to tell you something, you guys. If you're, you you do not know that salary is really important, you're just playing stupid, okay? Whoa, 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 really whoa, 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 whoa. When was okay? Two things. Number one, because I have to say this. When was the last time you did a search and negotiated salary animal? Number two, money should generally be number one, two, or three. And for any good professional, it's usually number two or three. Number one is usually a number of other things. Okay. Well, you know, uh, I don't want to get stuck on this topic, but I know Steve also addresses the issue that these laws make salary almost the most important thing because you, you, you're obsessed with uh, finding out if you're in the right range. There's no just way to find to, out. It. No. Just ask them to disclose. To disclose it? No. You don't want to do that. Now, it, well, let me let me throw something in here that seems to be working pretty well. So when you, if you look online, all the all the answers are, hey, just ask them what their expectations are. Now we know that yeah. can get us in trouble because think about people's expectations, right? So a, a roundabout way that right now is working through the loophole is, why do you expect that? What are you comparing it to? Now they may say I'm comparing it to industry numbers and so forth, but when you start asking the question as to why, which we often don't do. It's amazing the rabbit hole they'll go down, and many times they'll come up and say, because I'm already at this dollar amount. Okay, then they've self-disclosed, which they can do. I like it. No, I like that. And you can't get in trouble for asking a question like that? Because it's not 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 right. They self-disclose. As long as they self-disclose and you've told them they're self-disclosing, you're clean. Uh I got another question about this. If if you can't ask about salary – and how can you ask a sales rep if he or she has met their quota? Because that's really important. So it, it depends on the state. In the state of New York, you can actually ask about objective measures, which includes what you made in commission, that you can back into it. You can't do that in California, but you can in other states. Okay, but let's say you're in California. You want to know if a sales rep is actually meeting their quota. Is there any way to find out? Well, sure. You can st- it's, it's not directly cops, so you can still ask, where are you against your quota? Are you hitting it or not? That's not a salary or total comp question because you don't even know what the payout okay. is. Oh, okay, okay, fine. An animal, fine. An, an yeah. animal according to yeah. your guest a few weeks ago from overseas that has no predilection about a person's morality, candidate could lie and say, of course I'm making my numbers. Yeah, yeah. well, they can always do that, right? But, but some, sometimes people ask to see you know, payment slips and things like that for – for proof. You can't, you can't ask for that anymore. Not in California. No. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, and you actually now, say you 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 actually say that a recruiter should document their salary questions. So if they're ever challenged, they could show a piece of paper and say these are the questions I ask. They're all legit. Without right? qu- you, always. And it's 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 not being challenged a lot right now unless it's blatant. But you know, as these laws continue to roll in here in the United States, it's going to be challenged more and more and more. An animal? Okay. Yeah. On that note, because yeah. I've yeah. read the law, it's a short law uh-huh. in California. It's yeah. actually not even a misdemeanor. What's going to end up happening, talking to a bunch of people and some lawyers, is this is going to end up at some point becoming a – someone's going to file a test case with enough uh-huh. documentation against one company. So I would say the bigger the company, the more they're going to have to be concerned about the documentation. Do it anyway. But it, there's, no, there's technically no punishment for asking it. But there's going to be probably opening it up to a class action sometime in the future. Okay. Here's something I didn't understand from you. I, I didn't intend to get stuck on salary. But you said, Steve, that you know HR will have a salary band that goes up to 150 k But then the department, their budget is limited. They don't have enough money to pay 150 k They can only pay 115 at the top end. So – you sort of implied that you advertise the job at 150. Who puts the ad, money in the ad? Is that what you're saying? I, I was confused. No, what do you no. mean by that? No, go back. If you go back to the original video, here's here's the situation that actually happened, and this is a real situation. The salary band, and I forget what the exact position was, was up to 150,000. So let's call it 110 to 150 for that salary, right? That's the HR banded salary for that role. It was a VP level role. The hiring manager, though, is focused based on their budget. So their budget 
only allowed them to spend 110 or 115 or what it was. It wasn't so you could go out there and if HR posted to 150 saying this is our range, but I only have 115 to spend, there's a big difference there. It's not that I'm saying I want to lowball. It says I'm limited because my budget only allows me to spend X amount of dollars. We no, 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 that's not what I was asking. When you say they posted to 150, where do they post that? On a job board? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, yeah. On their, on, in this particular instance, it's on their, in, their job boards, right? So they don't, they don't, it's on Indeed because it shows the range, but they've made it a policy because they're in California that all of their positions have a salary range. And, and how that's, does that's that the affect, individual so, company's so, decision. Okay, but yes. you said that there's that can lead to a, a real misunderstanding if the person yeah. if the department has a forty thousand uh, dollars less than what it says. But how does that work generally? That if companies are putting the money right in the ads, is that working well, or is it uh, you know, turning people away who might really be good for the job? How does that work? So I'll give you two di- two different clients, both that are sitting in California. One has said the amount of applications have has increased by 25 to 30 or decreased by 25 to 30 percent. However, those that they're engaging with seem to be a better fit from a financial perspective. So that's one that's one client. On the other side, they're saying it's making zero difference at all. Whether we post ranges or not, we're getting people that are making 30000 and we're getting people that are making 200000 It hasn't changed a damn thing. Well, okay. That's interesting. i got to do an ad, but I'm going to start asking you uh, questions about uh, you had a conversation with a young recruiter, and uh, she didn't proper. She thought she had actually closed her candidate, but she didn't even qualify him properly. We're going we're gonna to get into that in a second. Hi, everybody. Recruiting Animal here for PC Recruiter. You know, there's all kinds of recruiters out there. You can just know that listening to us talking here. Some recruiters are doing direct hire. Others are into staffing. Some are doing executive search. And some people say that all these different kinds of recruiting need different kinds of recruiting software to meet their specific needs. But you know what? That's not what PC Recruiter says. And you know why? Because PC Recruiter is configurable. You know what? I saw that Michael G. Cox is here. I thought he was on vacation. I'm only assuming that he deserted his kids to come here and talk to Steve Lowish, my uh, my guest. Uh, but I'll anyway, back to work, man. Back to PC Recruiter. It's configurable. They don't impose one format on you. They don't tell you how to work. You make their software do what you want. You make it work the way you want, okay? And if you're afraid to configure your own software, you know what? They'll help you, okay? doesn't matter if you're a little company, if you're a solo recruiter, or if you're a member of a huge team, as long as you're a recruiter, they love you. Big or small, we help them all. That's what they say. So please, check them out. The adaptable, the configurable PC Recruiter at PCRecruiter.net. Michael G. Cox, since you're here, do you have anything to say? You haven't contributed anything, okay? And we've been well, talking in, in about regards good to stuff. in regards to the uh, wage question in California, I have run across it a few times, and I, I haven't had any problems stating what the pay range is because I'm just having a conversation. Um, and, and most of the candidates that I've spoke, actually all of the candidates that I've spoken to, haven't even been aware of the fact that I am not quote uh, or I'm not allowed to ask about how much they're currently earning. Really? Yep. Boy, I, and, and boy I'd see 95% of the ones I talk to know. All of them have been, uh, maybe I'm just talking to different candidates, they've been in the San Francisco area and mostly in sales. That's interesting because I'm in L.A. and Southern California, and, and funny enough in construction that they're not that – Social media, they're savvy, but they just don't have time to yep. get on it. And yep. they know it's interesting. Yep. Moving on. We, we're getting Moving up. on. Hey, is, is every, am I still on the show? Yes. I don't know. Are you? Okay. Yeah, I heard a click <laughs> last week. I got kicked off. Okay. Okay. Candidate motivation. I'm going to quote. Steve's got an article on LinkedIn. I am amazed, he says, 
at how often I speak with recruiters who have no idea what the motivators are of the candidate they are making an offer to. I asked this, you know, this woman what the primary reasons were for the candidate to be interested in the position. And she had no idea what the uh, drivers were. They offered him more money, a better title, good equity, and he turned the job down. Steve, let's talk about that. What, what's the story? You called the candidate and rescued that deal. Tell us about that story. Yeah, yeah. so the, the recruiter came up and said, hey, look, I pre-closed the candidate from the beginning, right, the things we teach him to do. We knew the ranges. We knew where everything was going to be. Now we get to the end. I've made the offer. And it's a better title, it's a better salary, it's a better everything, right? But the candidate's probably going to turn it down is, is the feel. And, of course, three hours later, the candidate turned it down. So the recruiter came over to me and said, what do I do? I said, well, help me understand what's driving the candidate. What do they got they want to get rid of? What do they don't have that they want? And she really couldn't articulate specifically those particular things. So I said, okay, let me call the candidate and find out what's really going on. Are they turning it down for money or are they turning it down for something else? And this is, this is a scenario, this is a real one that repeats itself constantly. I get involved in this. I want to hear your exact words on that call. What did you say exactly when you got the candidate on the phone? How did you introduce So yourself? I had never spoken with the candidate before. So I called the candidate yeah. up and said, hey, this, it was actually one of my recruiters in this particular instance. I've had it for clients and I've had it for, for my own. In this particular instance, it, it was one of my recruiters, and I said, hey, this person is on my team. I understand you've gotten down to the, the last hour, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember every exact word, right? But, but I wanted to reach out and figure out what's really going on. Well, I don't think it's the right time for me to make the move. Okay, help me understand that in light of the comp, in light of the title. Is it the job? What is it? And she continued to go on and say, no, it's just it's not the right time. So I began to ask the probing questions that you're probably all going to ask, right? Okay, tell me about the current situation you're in now. Is, is the role perfect? What do, you, what do you want to get rid of that you have right now? And she told me. And then it's, what do you got that you want to make sure you keep in your next job? And she told me. And then what do you don't have that you want to get in your next job? And she told me. And I said, did this job, did it address those issues? And she said, well, kind of. Boom, kind of. What does that mean? means one of those things were not absolutely addressed. And it ultimately came out that in the final interview, she felt uncomfortable about one particular part of the role as related to something that she actually wanted that had nothing to do with compensation. It was more about span of control and other things. So it, it was, hey, you're not paying me enough money to, take, to, to really take this risk is really in essence what she was saying. But the recruiter took it as they're turning down the offer, even though I had them pretty close to the dollar amount, because she only focused on salary. That was it. Uh-huh. Okay. And so I see this repeat itself have... constantly. Okay. So, the, uh, yeah, well, I got to tell you, you trained this girl, and she didn't do the job. <laughs> yeah, she didn't yep. do the job. Okay. You're so right. The questions you, the questions you have to ask, what does a candidate really like about her current role? What does a candidate like least about her current role, right? Those are the things, no. the pleasures of her current position and the pains. Those are the fundamentals you, you have to know. I, Is that right? Yeah, I look at it. I look at the question a little bit different because I want to go deeper. So in theory, yes. So I still look at pain, pleasure, but I, I ask this question again. What does the candidate specifically have that they want to get rid of, which is the pain? But I actually ask that question. Well, tell me about the situation now. What, what, if, you, if you can get rid of something, what do you want to get rid of? Be that specific. The pleasure is what do you got that you want to keep? This keeps you pleased. This is what you got to have when you go to your next, next role because usually we focus on the negative and not the positive. But the, the positive could trump the negative. And then the third one is about pursuit. What do you not have that you absolutely need in your next role? you got to have all three. Okay. And she actually, if I remember correctly, the, the story, there was some problem in her current position. And in the next position, she had been sensitized to that problem, and she wasn't sure she wouldn't have the new problem in in, in the next company, the same correct. problem in the next company. Correct. Okay. Yeah. One, you one of the correct. mistakes that my – Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I no, would just say one of, the mistakes my, one of the mistakes my recruiter made was when the offer was going to be delivered, she didn't go back to those items to determine did they get addressed because she never knew them intimately in the first place. I had to uncover uh-huh. them when I ended up talking to the candidate. Okay, and you've got a formula – 
for presenting an offer, right? It's like, I think it's got four parts. I'm going to read them to you. You can correct my uh, misinterpretation. Number one, (laughs) readdress the needs identified in step one, right? Is that that right? Okay. So how do you do that? What words words are you going to do when you you say that? Hey, we've gone through this entire interview. Go ahead. I want to hear what words you use when you – go ahead. Hey, we're now, we're now we're, we've gone through the entire interview process. You're you're happy. We're happy. It's now time to talk about is this the right fit? Here are the things that you identified for me as that was important for you that you have now that you no longer want to have. Did we address all of them? And here they are. Number one is this. Number two is this. Number three is this. Because as soon as she that person says no, you didn't address this topic. I'm not going on to the next step until I've addressed that topic. Uh huh. And how did you actually sense? solve Same the thing. problem? It, with this person, how did you actually solve that problem? Because she had been interviewed by the, the hiring manager. I mean, it, it, they didn't yep. resolve it in their own conversation. How did you resolve it? Can, candidates make assumptions. So do hiring managers. They all make assumptions, right? Because they never went through and actually itemized. Here's, as you said it, animal, points of pain, points of pleasure, and ultimately points of pursuit is what I call them. They never itemized any of them. So we went through and actually laid them all out and itemized them all, and I went one by one. Okay, is, are you comfortable with this one? Yep. Are you comfortable with this one? Kinda. And the minute I hear a kinda or a no, I know I've stumbled on something, and we've got to figure out why is it kinda. Tell me about that. Why do you feel that way? Why are you making that assumption that that's absolutely the case? And now I've got to figure then, out, is it true or is it not true? Uh-huh. So then you went back to the company – and they said, no, yep. there's nothing to worry about there. She's, she's, we'll give her what she wants. Essentially, that's what happened, right? It, it was not we'll give her what she wants. It will get, we'll give her the reassurance of these particular items. And if we need to have that conversation with the, the candidate directly, we're happy to do it. I felt comfortable with it. We were able to get it done. Okay. Now, you say that recruiters lie about how many searches they're working on. You didn't say the word lie, but essentially you said it's not uncommon for recruiters to boast uh, that they've got open job requisitions of 30, 40, or even 50 positions at one time, and it's simply untrue. That's what you said. There's only 40 hours to work in a week, and if they're doing 40 jobs, they've only got an hour for each job, and that's impossible. So am I right about this? You say that all this stuff, oh, I got so 40 you, wrecks. They, they so don't really have that, right? You, you got two pieces kind of mixed up. What I, what I originally said was it's a badge of honor. We use it as, oh, I got 40, I got 50. It's a freaking badge of honor in our business, which drives me nuts. Can't stand it because, to your point, what, I just, what, what you described appropriately, yes. You can only if you got 50 jobs. I get it if they're all the same skill set. That's different. But when you're, hey, I'm looking for 50 different profiles. How the heck can you address those appropriately? Why do we use that as a badge of honor? How can you give the service back to your manager or to the candidate that they that they deserve? Can you really spend the time to do it right? That's that's BS. You can't. So the lie comes in when, a, when they're posting jobs that don't even exist to do pipelining. So I think you kind of brought two of them together. Okay. I think what I said was absolutely what you said, but I can't tell a difference. Anybody want to challenge him here? Anybody want to challenge him? Anybody got something to say? Uh-huh. No? Okay. Okay. It's not necessarily so a lie, Animal. It's some will be lying. Other, other internals have, hell, when I was managing a crew, I had to hire two more people because the average, the average person had 70 wrecks. It was untenable. And it wasn't, it wasn't Isn't that nuts? Were, were they 70 wrecks with 50 of them all the same job? Is that, is that what we're, we're talking about? There's a difference, there right? Some, there were some similarities, but in general, they were, I'd probably say you had 40 to 50 positions that were, you had 70 positions, you could blend 40 of them into groupings, but uh-huh. yeah, it was, it and, was untenable. And did you have to fight? Did you have to fight? Because I didn't mention this, but it was in the article as well. Did you have to fight to get those two extra people? Yeah, and they fought back hard enough and said some other things, and so I left and took one person with me. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, why is, now, so you, the, the, go go ahead, ahead, Steve. 
No, no, I you're mean, number one say, here. Well, you well, go ahead. Well, I'll tell you when I've got it. Well, go ahead. Why, why is that so acceptable? Because, you know, the, the description you just said with the 70 recs and, and what, I, yeah. what I used as the 50-some, why is that so acceptable? Because when you, go to, when you go to ask, and I see this happen all the time, you go to ask, I need another resource. Well, you only have 40 recs. What do you mean I only have 40 recs per recruiter? That doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense to me. How did we get there in the first place? Well, it's, it's a real simple argument, Steve, and because most companies see recruiting as a cost center, not a profit center. Now, what I did before yeah. I left is I sat down and I said, okay, fine, here's the deal. A professional services company, we know, we know roughly the margins and the bill rates and everything else when, they're go- when the people are higher than going out onto the projects. I said, fine, you know, you're losing 400000 You recognize you're losing $400,000 a week, a month in revenue. And they're like, what do you mean? And it's like, here you go. Look, just give me one month of that revenue and I'll take care of this for us. But beyond that, you've had, we've had these open for four months, four times four, 1.6 million. Hey, look, you, you tell me where you want to do this. Yep. And then there's the, then there's okay. the other side of it with a, with a global company where I got referred. We were talking. The internal recruiters obviously didn't know what the hell was going on. They gave us the standard, well, we're trying to reduce our count of external agencies. I said, well, that's okay, fine. I call BS. But will you go to Steve, the guy that's bleeding for people, and take – and take responsibility for part of the $2.3 million revenue shortfall that's going to show up at him on, when he does his review. And she goes, what do you mean? That's not what, what, what? And I mean, yep. we had a pleasant conversation when it was done. Steve called me and said, hey, can you get me out of here? <laughs> okay. Thank you. So that's a business development question, right? You, 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 you were telling us how to rebut them when they say they don't want to use recruiters, and you were explaining why it's financially worthwhile, right? Is that right, Alan? Yeah. Did I understand you correctly? Thank you. Of but you know you what? Did, this, guy, this guy, Steve. Steve, how do you say your last name again? Lois. Okay. You got L-O-W. It. I'm going to spell it for everybody. L-O-W-I-S-Z. Z for you Americans. You got it. Okay. Okay, so but you say that retained search it's on its way out. That's what I gathered. Some company that I never heard of went under, and you said, <laughs> you said this is phenomenal. This is a, an earthquake, and it's a sign of what's coming. Retained search is going away. Is that right? I, I think the model of retained search is going to decline significantly over the next couple of years. Yes. <laughs> okay. Why? Why is that? Who's laughing there? Uh, Hey, go ahead. Hey, everybody has their opinion. Let me give you my experience. All right. I've got the the CH, and I deal with Fortune 500 as well as the mom-and-pop companies, right? And more and more and more, what I'm hearing from the CHROs or heads of talent acquisition is, look, we're so used to paying these 33 and a third percent. We can take those dollars and do one of two things. It's the old, do I insource or do I outsource? That's one. Two, there's other models out there now where they seem to be getting greater value. I'll give you an example. I'll pitch myself, right? We do executive search on an hourly rate. You pay me 350 bucks an hour like an attorney. I provide uh, greater value in my opinion. Now, yeah, doesn't mean okay. I won't do retained search because at times I do. But I think the model is going to change. I don't agree. Okay. Who's that? Alan? Yeah. Who's okay, put it on hold. I've got to do an ad. Okay, because the show's going way faster than I thought. We'll have to bring this guy back. Hey, everybody. Recruiting Animal here for Hire Tool, H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L. Hire Tool is a super-duper sourcing tool. Everybody loves it. Everybody's raving about it all over Facebook groups, okay? Here's what you do. You go to HireTool.com. You put your search in in natural language. It builds the search string for you. If you're ignorant and you don't know anything about Boolean, like me, okay, you don't have to worry about that. It does it for you. Then it searches a ton of websites, LinkedIn, GitHub, Facebook, whatever you want. It returns a list of candidates ranked from top to bottom in how, as to how close they match your spec. It guesses how much these candidates are earning. It guesses which ones are going to be most likely to leave uh, in the near future or you know, to, to want to be considering a, a, a move. And not only that, the people who really love it says it makes your searches a lot faster. Final thing, Hire Tool or Hire Tool, however you want to say it, is known for giving you good contact info, be it personal or work email or personal or work phone numbers. And you can try that out yourself. Just go to Hire Tool. 
H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L.com, and get the free Chrome extension and do some searches and see what it gives you, okay? H-I-R-E-T-U-A-L, the super-duper sourcing tool. Okay, uh, Steve, we're almost out of time. I've still got another ad to yeah. do. Is there anything special that you want to talk about that you think recruiters uh, should know about that they really don't know? You told us one thing just a minute ago about, you know, they don't really – dig up the uh the motivators anything else that you know that you want to talk about yeah the only other thing that i'll that i'll mention in, um specifically is is the way that we use some of the online tools like like linkedin facebook so on and so forth it, and I, we use it as, as glorified databases in most cases and i've even had to get my team to adjust and our clients team it's not all about one way sucking stuff out Bring some value to some of these databases, some of these social media networks. Spend some time giving them information, whatever roles that you're trying to recruit for, instead of just sucking them back with in, and always trying to send them with in-mails and trying to get them to respond to you. If you don't provide value, don't expect to get as much value as you used to get out of it. I don't understand a word you said. What are you talking about? I only like concrete conversations here with examples. No generality. All right, let me give you an example. Let, let, let me give you an example. Specific example, VP of marketing search, digital marketing. I personally handled myself. Because I'm involved in that space, because I run it for myself, I share stuff around digital marketing, around new trends and so forth, to the communities that I'm either in or, or, or follow me, right? So I'm on LinkedIn and I'm saying, here's something of interest to you guys that are actually in this space. So when I turn around and I say, hey, guys, gals, let's be politically correct, I'm looking for this. I actually get people that want to help me more so than when I just go out and spam them with emails about this great opportunity that's what out there. Can you, what can you, a recruiter who's not a, a practitioner yourself, tell them about their profession that they don't already know, that they can't teach you? doesn't matter if, if they know about it or not. The point is I'm sharing things that I see on specifically digital marketing and trends because I read up on it as well. Am I a practitioner? No. Do I have to be an expert? No. All I've got to be is subject matter savvy and share it with them, and I'm making the effort. So, so it's a two-way road, not a one-way road. Stop being so damn selfish. Okay. Okay. Now, you like to talk about bias, and I think, I don't know, it was you or somebody else told a story uh, about, I think, about a candidate, okay? Uh, you, they had a job. They had two candidates who were well-educated, their formal education. They really did well in their interviews. Uh, there was a third candidate who didn't have a formal education. She taught herself programming. The hiring manager didn't want to see her, but the recruiter got her in there. And because she wasn't just following the same script that she'd been taught at school, she was way better than those other two guys. She blew them out of the water. Is that common? I don't think so. What do you think? I, I do think it's more common than, than we think. The, the, the problem is we make assumptions about what makes a candidate skilled, right? they got to have a degree because it shows they completed something. Okay, great. If I'm self-taught and I can grasp it even faster, and I'm more creative in the way in which I do my web development or whatever the case is, is that person with a degree who can barely do any of the stuff I do more important than me or more valuable to you? I don't think so. So we get into situations where we create, we make these assumptions about what makes a good candidate instead of talking about what are the results you need them to generate for you. Change the conversation. Stay away from skills. Stay away from, stay, start focusing on results. Have you ever done that? What's that? The, the hiring manager or whoever, thing? HR person says, look, hey, no, no, I've got I to have a BA. Who cares of a BA in this job, a sales job? You don't really need it. An arts BA, political science, or English. Yep. You, you ever go back and say, that's crazy. You don't need, you don't need that. Come on. Take, take a look at this candidate. He, he or she's really good. Here, here's the question. What, what do you think they've learned because of that BA? Well, they know how to do what, you know, they know how to negotiate. Okay, so if a candidate knows how to negotiate, do they have to have a BA? It's the, it's the why. It's the why. We, we stop asking the question why. Ask the darn question. Okay. So it's a company policy, Steve. I'm sorry. Are you going to give up at that point? You're really going to press hard. I'm going to press a little bit to see if it truly is because usually company policy, and it is in many organizations, I'm aware of that. Let me give you an example. Uh, individual for a GM of the software business of a non-software company, about a $40 million business. 
the requirement is that anybody at a director level and above has to have a degree. Okay. Now, this happened by mistake. I brought the candidate in. I did not even think about the degree because he was a GM with a large tech firm, right? So I didn't even think about it. Get through the interview process. They absolutely love the guy. Do the background check. He never stated he had a degree. He did not. It, val it matched his application at that point, and they're like, the guy doesn't have a degree. So I had to kind of save face to a certain extent, and I said, okay, does he have the ability to do it? Yes. Does he have the performance, the, the, the past track record of performance to do it? Yes. Are you willing to make an exception? I'm willing to go to the CEO and talk about it. They signed off on it. Okay. Okay. Company policy. I've got to do my final ad, then we'll come back and wrap up this show. Hey, everybody. Recruiting Animal here from my good friends at Honeit. H-O-N-E-I-T. Honeit is a phone interview technology. Here's how it works. The candidate and the recruiter, they both dial into the interview just like they would make an ordinary phone call. They have their regular interview conversation, but here's the difference. It's recorded. So if you're a recruiter and you're typing, you don't have to worry that you can't type that fast. If you you know, don't know how to type, if you're an idiot <laughs> and you're taking handwritten notes or you know, some people tell you that helps you remember things, you don't have to write that fast. Everything is recorded for you. And then it's automatically turned into a transcript it's in text that you can search for keywords and you can pass the recording and the text on to anybody else on the interview committee and here's something even more important there's certain key questions that the hiring manager is going to tell you i have to know about this when you get to those questions you press a button on the screen and it starts recording a special track when you get to the end of the conversation you press another button and it turns that bit of the conversation into a clip you can create as many clips as you want pass them around to everybody in your company and they can hone right in on the key issues okay so it makes interviewing easier it makes it easier to share the interview go check it out at h-o-n-e-i-t nick livingston is the boss over there? He's a nice guy. Okay. Back to my good new friend, Jeff Lois. Okay. Uh, Steve Lois. Steve. <laughs> well, what did I say, Jeff? I forgot already. That's how good a friend you are. Okay. Now, uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Okay. You recruiters suck. You were driving to work one day or something, and you thought, I have to do a video to share my angry thoughts with people. <laughs> and you said recruiters suck when they try to be salespeople. Okay. You said it sounds like recruiting is not a sales job. What were you trying to say there? No, I, I disagree. I, I, what I, it's not recruiting is not a sales job. What we all know is there's slimy sales and there's professional selling. Slimy sales, it's all about the here. Let me let me go to the talk to the manager and get you the best deal possible, right? That's what I experienced. What what I do think is that if he, they understand professional selling, needs analysis, the stuff we already talked about, animal, right? Understanding pain points and pleasure points. That's what selling, real selling, effective selling is about. Too many recruiters have no freaking clue because they've never been taught. And, and let, me, let me draw a correlation here. This is real. All right? Michigan. If, so think, think about recruiting this way. Five big decisions you make in your life. Buy a house, get married, where you go to school, change jobs, so on. Right? Big, big decision, a job. But to be a recruiter, how much training do you technically have to have? Zero. Here in Michigan – to mess with somebody's hair, and I'm bald, but you know what? To be a cosmetologist in Michigan, 1,500 hours, two-year apprenticeship just to do somebody's hair. Yet we're messing with people's lives, and we don't have basic selling skills. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, I, I think the, the recruiters that stock that you're referring to aren't really messing with very many, very many people's lives. Uh, they're, not, they're not gaining very much traction to begin with on the candidate or the client side. I wish that were true, but that it is. I see it way too often, way too often, both in the agency and on the corporate side, where you start talking to the recruiter about their engagement with the candidate, and they got candidates. They know nothing about the candidate. They're just trying to get their rec filled because that's what they're held accountable to. Okay, yep. so let me, let me come back to my favorite question so Jerry will sign off as soon as I open my mouth. Okay, what's your cold <laughs> call? Do you, 
do you call people on the phone or, or do you email them? What's your, your method of first contact? We'll wrap up with this. Both. 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 So, okay. so if it's a senior level position, I'll start with the phone, follow up with an email. Um, uh-huh. I do use some automation tools, um, especially because I've got it built in where uh, think about it like a marketing CRM. So it's, it's, I, let's say I'm hiring an engineer or this digital marketing. I'll use the digital marketing real quickly. Hiring this, this head of digital marketing. I know one of the pain points in digital marketing is they don't own the technology in many instances. It's, it's actually separated from the marketing group. So in this particular instance, reached out, left the guy a message saying, I understand you're the head of digital marketing. I don't know much else about you, but here's what I do know based on your profile. What I'm looking for is somebody that where they, they be, they've been lied to too many times in, ter- in terms of being able to bring technology and that digital marketing team together. We're actually looking for somebody who can do that for our particular client. Same thing with follow-up email, very similar to that. Didn't respond right away, so hold my on automation first, hold on the, automatically. Wait a second. The first was a voicemail? Yeah. That was a voicemail you left? Yeah, first, yeah, okay. first was a voicemail. So you leave voicemail. Lots of people say don't leave voicemail anymore. Nobody listens to it. Is right. that wrong? I, I still leave a message, and I get I get 80% response rate. Uh-huh. If, if so I combine just, it with email. Okay, so what do you, you so you start off by saying hi, this is Steve Lois. Uh, I'm a headhunter. What do you do? How do you introduce yourself? Yeah, well, in my, in my instance, I'll say this is Steve Lois with Qualigents. We're a, a global retained search and, and research firm. That's number one. Two, uh-huh. I saw I have your I understand you're the VP of digital marketing for ABC Company. Aside from your LinkedIn profile or whatever I happen to have, I know nothing else about you. I lay that out on the table. I'm calling because I want to find out about you. That's the impression I want to leave because that's the truth, right? Number two, I point out pain that I know is relevant to that job. In this particular job, too many of these VPs of digital marketing do not control the technology that supports digital marketing. It's in IT, right? So I point that out, right? If you're one of these guys or gals, depending on who I'm calling, that has experienced the, hey, you're going to own it all, but you really don't, I'm looking for somebody that can bring it all together at this particular client. Call me back. I'm here on Monday and Tuesday. Well, let's find time to talk, period. Animal. Yeah, Al. What, tool, what, what, what tools does he use? I'm curious. For the automated okay. responses? Yeah. I, I use Luxo. Do you Prior like to Luxo, yeah, I do because of the marketing automation. Prior to that, we actually used either Active Campaign or HubSpot to do uh-huh. the same thing. We treated it like marketing. No, when you say, so, I'm sorry, L-O-X-O? Yeah, dot C-O. Luxo, okay. No, 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 I've used the free yeah. system. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So the, re- so the reason I – go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say the one, the one reason that I use it is that it now tracks – if they click on it, if they've read it, just like HubSpot or anything else does on the marketing side, and you can create automations that if they click it but they didn't read the whole thing, you can send them an automatic another one. If they don't click it, you can send them one automatically as well, and I do that in conjunction with my voicemails. Cool. Okay, so how so you leave a voicemail, and then how, how do you immediately send out an email, or do you wait 24 hours? What's the structure there? Usually I send out an email right away saying, hey, I just left you a message. This is why I'm reaching out to you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and the ironic thing is you tell them I don't know anything about you, and you think that's going to build confidence in you, right? I don't know anything, but you can trust me. Is that what you're saying, Steve? Yeah. I, I don't know anything about you, and that's the reason I'm calling you. And then I go right into the pain side. I don't go in to pitch a position. There's a difference. I don't go in and say, I'm looking for a VP of digital marketing who can do A, B, C, D, and E, and F. That's on the job description. That's a mistake, in my opinion. What I do is point out the pain generally associated with those kind of roles. And if I don't know the pain, I'm going to go online and find it and see what people are complaining about specific to those kind of roles. And I will bring that up so I sound like I know about the role. But I got to admit, I don't know the person because if I say, oh, yeah, somebody said you'd be awesome for this, or, and, and that person doesn't exist, I'm going to get called out on it. Okay. So you, uh, who's playing music there? So you don't go in and say, I've got a great job for you. i got no, a job never. that you're fantastic for. You're saying, I don't know if this is good for you, but I want to have a conversation about it with you. That's it, right? That's my approach. That's my approach. Okay. Okay. The show rushed. It went very fast today. I want to thank Alan Floor, Michael G. Cox, 
Jerry Albright, Kathy wasn't here, and my guest, Steve Lewis. I'd love you to come back another time. Steve Lewis, L-O-W-I-S-Z, thank you! When I start to talk, finally get a chance to start talking, the mouthpiece comes in. Go ahead, Jer. Take over. Well, you know, it's like you're a puppet, and um, and Jerry's it's Jerry's voice. You're the, he's the ventriloquist. Hey, I was just interjecting. I'm not taking over. I was just interjecting. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.